Hey, good morning, everybody. So glad to see everyone. And again, if it's your first time here, welcome. We are glad that you have come to South Point today. And if you're online, man, thanks so much for tuning in. It's really weird to not say, turn to Matthew, um, because I haven't done that almost the entire year. Um, we just finished up a series last week where we walked through what we called the greatest sermon, just the Sermon on the Mountain, getting to look at the, the words of Christ during that time. And this week, we're going to start something a little bit different. Because over this year, you guys know it's been a little different. And we've been having lots of different conversations. We've been having lots of different talks and issues have come up. And here's what happens. You've got believers, like if you're in Christ, and then you've got people that aren't a part of a church or aren't following Christ, aren't, aren't in that relationship, and we're having the same conversation. We're talking about the same thing. What I want to ask is what makes our conversation different? Because it should look different, right? Like we should react in a different way. Like if we are followers of Christ, the things that we believe should change some of those conversations. And so for the next probably two months, we're just going to look at some pretty big issues that most of us can go, I've been there. Um, And I was reminded of this week's, um, earlier this week, I made another trip around the sun kind of thing. And I've got a buddy, he always calls my birthday, and we kind of catch up. And uh, he works in repair. It's just that he repairs things that are like offshore drilling. Um, And so he also gets called out to places that are all over the world. He's really good at what he does. And so I said, hey, man, real quick, catch me up. Where you been lately? And he just laughed, and he's like, get ready for a story. He said, I just spent the last four months in Nigeria. I was like, okay, tell me about that. And he starts telling me about getting flown literally halfway across the world And they get there, they have to quarantine for several weeks, um, and quarantining in Nigeria is a little bit different than quarantining here. And so he's stuck in a hotel, they finally get permission to go out to this rig, they get out to the rig, and the captain there is like adamant that they have to quarantine even more. And so they get stuck in these little bitty cells, essentially. Well, come to find out, some of the people on his team during the first quarantine had kind of run off into town, and they got exposed to COVID-19. And my buddy then begins to tell me that seven different times he had to have that swab shoved basically into his brain. And he said, eventually, sure enough, he said, 28 out of our 40 team people got COVID. He said, I was one of them. And so at that point, they got kicked off the ship. They got sent back to a very ratty motel in Nigeria. So just imagine that. He said, there were bugs coming out of the wall the size of my foot. And he said, there's nothing I can do about it because the Nigerian government put guards outside our room and said, if you come outside, we will shoot you. And he's like, and they're not playing around. And so he ends up spending four months in quarantine doing nothing. I said, so did y'all do any work? He goes, oh yeah. When we first got out there, we unloaded a box on the boat. It took about 45 minutes. Like all of that, all these plans to do big things, and that all got changed because of a virus. And this morning, I want to ask the question, like, what happens when our plans change? Because everyone has experienced that. You've all experienced it in some level that you can look at and you hopefully laugh at later. Like most of us maybe had some sort of vacation for this year planned, and it didn't quite pan out. Like one of my favorite pictures and memes I've seen so far was like this aerial shot of Disney World, and it said, the happiest place on earth is lonely. Like you just, you didn't go there. Like you didn't get to do that. Like, my wife and I, we celebrated 10 years this year, and so we were going to go to this resort in Mexico. Well, we're going to do that next year. And it stinks, like, those were really good plans, but they changed. 
sports. We've got athletes that have been planning things for years and like, hey, it's going to be my senior year of baseball. Well, that didn't happen. Oh, we don't even know what sports are going to happen this fall. And we can look at those and kind of laugh, but then you get some that are really serious. Like some of you have had job changes. Like I've got personal friends who have done what is right. They have gone into a path. They've gone into a career. They've started working their way up, and this year changed that. And they were unemployed or they were underemployed or something along those lines. And they had good plans, and that changed. School, I know for many of you, like, we've got students starting tomorrow. A lot of you have been wondering for months, like, can I go to class? Is it going to be in person? Like, I, I want to do this. I want to have a degree at the end of three to five years, and you didn't even know. So plans have changed. And sometimes good plans change. Like, sometimes plans change, and it's like, that was much for the better. But sometimes good things change. And today we're going to see an unbelievable example of it. And we're going to see what can happen when God changes a plan for his glory. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today. And it'll be on the screen. You can follow along in your Bible if you'd like. We'll be in Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 6. It says this, And they went through the region of Phyria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mesia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing through Mesa, they went down to Trous. And I killed a bunch of those names there. Paul is trying to do the ultimate good plan here. Paul has experienced who Jesus Christ is. He was definitely not a follower of Christ. He railed against Christianity. He had Christians carted off and killed. And then one day, he's on his way to a city to persecute the church, and Jesus shows up. He's knocked off his animal. He can't see. He's like, who are you? He's like, Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And Paul had to be the most terrified human ever. And then he experiences grace. And he becomes this unbelievable missionary wanting to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that a person can go from death to life. He wants everyone to know that. And see, he begins these missionary journeys. He begins to go town by town. He would sit down in synagogues. He would sit down in religious places and have conversations and share the gospel and teach people about Jesus Christ. He loved this. That's a great plan. To be able to share the gospel and evangelize the world, we have to acknowledge that is a good plan. That is one that we have all been called to do. And yet he starts to go into some of these places. When it says Asia, like think of like the, the region of like Turkey. That's where he's at. And he wants to preach the gospel. And the craziest thing happens. The Holy Spirit says, no. And we don't know if that was the Holy Spirit audibly speaking to him and going, no, you don't get to do this. Or if he was going places and maybe he just wasn't able to meet in some of the synagogues like he normally did. We don't know exactly how this played out, but we know Paul wanted to preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit said, mm, nah. That's a hard thing. Paul's got people with him. He's got people following along behind him. And they've, they've seen Paul evangelize and they've seen lives change. They've seen so many people come to know who Jesus Christ is and now they're not seeing it. So like for Paul, this has got to be a little, this is a little weird. Because he's got people watching him and maybe they're going, well, does Paul really have it anymore? Like has he, has he lost his zeal? Has he lost his passion? Like this is a rather awkward moment because he wants to do something good and yet the Holy Spirit doesn't allow it. And so... That teaches us what can be a very hard lesson and one that many of us have learned. Sometimes God leads us by closing doors. Now that's a truth and that's a hard truth. Because you've probably experienced having a door closed. 
And maybe it was sometime when you were doing something good and that door got shut. I also got a reminder this week because five years ago on my birthday, I had a door closed. It was an awesome, awesome birthday. I'll never forget it because my, my boss looked at me and said, hey, we're going to go in a little different direction than you. And that was hard. <laughs> I had never been let go from a job in my entire life. From my first job where I worked for a metal roofing company, uh, there's a few little laughs. One of the life groups this week had like a trivia night, and part of it was like, how well do you know the pastor? That was my first job. For the fun fact, and she's not in the room this morning, I sat down with Whitney. I said, hey, I want to ask you some questions. Um, there were 10 of them, and we'll just say D's get degrees. Um, <laughs> she argued with me about my own first job, but I had never been let go from something. And they said, hey, we're going to go a different direction. And man, that door... All these different things that I thought were going to be coming, closed. That was hard. And I didn't like it. <laughs> God and I had some really heavy conversations about it. But then I get to look back five years later and see, oh, yes, you led me by closing that door to do something different. And you get to watch what Paul does here. Like, Paul could have pushed back against the Holy Spirit. And said, no, I'm, I, I got this. Like, I'm, I'm going to preach. And yet, he's obedient. And that's one of the other things we learn. Even if you think you're right, don't push back against the Holy Spirit. And this is where our conversations today need to look more like Paul's. Like, we have every opportunity in 2020 to be upset about things. To be upset about our plans changing. To be mad, and we can get mad at other people. We can get frustrated. We can be frustrated with God. But I love that in this moment, when everyone's kind of looking at Paul going, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to listen. And when the Holy Spirit says go, then I'll go. But until that point, I am going to be obedient and trust that God is bigger than I am. And that's what we have to learn today. Okay, so things happen. You got the opportunity to be frustrated. Your, your great plan, like you, if you're one of those people, some people it's like, man, do you have a five-year plan? They're like, no, I have 50. Like, I've got this all planned out. No, sometimes you go, uh, don't push your plan onto God's plan. Trust that God is bigger than even your own thoughts. Trust that the Holy Spirit knows better for you. Because here's what happens with it. Look in Acts 16 and verse 9. It said, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And, Paul had, uh, and when Paul had seen this vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes God has a bigger plan. Your big plan can be big, but it's not as big as what God intends for each and every one of us. And so Paul had this great plan, a really good plan. I'm going to go from town to town, and those were going to take him kind of into Asia, maybe into India, who knows, maybe even China. But he was just going to go all these little towns. And God said, Paul, that's a good plan. It's good that you want a town. I want to give you a continent. Like, I want to give you something a little bit bigger than what you can expect it's like when I ask my kids, like, hey, do you want to go out to eat? Yes. What's something good? McDonald's. I'm like, no. There's something more. Like, let's, let's at least go to Chick-fil-A. Like, 
Think bigger, people. And this is what God does. It's like, Paul, that's a good plan. I'm going to give you a continent. And for, I would say, everyone sitting here, this is of the more pivotal moments in human history. At the top of that is Jesus. Like, Jesus came, lived a sinless life. His death and resurrection is the biggest, most life-changing thing because it allows us to go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Within the church, this one is big. Because instead of going into some of these other areas, God looks at Paul and says, no, I'm going I'm to give you a continent, and that continent's going to be Europe. And so he makes his way over, and if you read a little bit further, he makes his way into a town called Philippi, which we've walked through the book of Philippians. And so if you kind of remember back, that's a pretty big, pivotal city. And so in the year 42 B.C., outside of this little rundown city called Philippi, two armies met together. A guy named Brutus, if you're familiar with E2 Brute, and a guy named Cassius, they were on one side. And on the other side, there was a guy named Mark Anthony and a young man named Octavian. And if you want to talk about how integral all of that is with the gospel, that guy Octavian would later become the first emperor of Rome. He would change his name, and it would be Caesar Augustus. And that same Caesar Augustus you find in Luke chapter 4 going, hey, I need a decree. I need a census of our people. you got to go to your hometown. And Mary and Joseph get up and make their way to Bethlehem and complete a prophecy. And so this is the amazing sovereignty of God amongst all of this. And so that battle is fought, and they make this city into kind of a memorial. They build it up. They pour a ton of money into it. It's in this area of Macedonia, and God says, Paul, that's where I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to a place from a cultural standpoint that's huge. Like the the influence that the Greeks and Romans had still permeates today because some of you are going to have to sit down if you've got any sort of philosophy class and you're going to have to read Homer and Socrates or Socrates if you're inclined to that and just different things like that. The cultural aspect of, of teaching is huge in this area. They provided sports to the world. They gave us the Olympics, which really needs to get back around I mean, this is the area that God is sending him to. He says, man, you thought of these little towns, and I'm going to send you to a place that is going to be so intricate in human history you can't even imagine. And you're going to go there, and you're going to preach the gospel. And so God changed Paul's plan, and he made it bigger, and it changed most of our lives, essentially, because a lot of us are kind of here within Christianity today because that's the way that God pushed it. And so Paul had a vision of maybe reaching towns. Paul had a vision of, hey, I've got some people around me. But God said, look, that's not even enough. I'm going to give you a bigger plan. Because as we read through that, if you notice the way it's worded a few times, it says they, they, they. Like they went to this city. They were told they couldn't preach here. They went here. They couldn't do it. Once they had the vision, though, it says, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. Why is there a change there? Well, introduce Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He also wrote the book with his name on it. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. That's why when you read Luke and you read Acts, there is a ton of detail in it because this was a very detail-oriented person. He was also a friend of Paul. We know that. Now, we don't know exactly the entire background of Luke, but we know that he was a physician, and we know that Paul had a number of, like, just different sicknesses and illnesses over the years. Paul needed Luke. Paul's about to have to make a journey where they're going to go across a sea on a boat And it's not a big boat. Like, this travel at this point is not exactly a pleasant thing. It's dangerous. We're talking hundreds of miles where you're walking and bandits can just come out of nowhere. And it's not that they rob you. They kill you. On top of, okay, we're going to have to go through storms on the sea. Like, Paul's going to have some stomach problems. Paul needed Luke. 
And we don't know if it was because of the vision or it was told to him, hey, we're going to go ahead and do this. But we know that Luke shows up here. And so the team gets bigger. What happens when the team gets bigger? You're able to impact more people. So Paul needed this from a ministry standpoint. He needed, he needed more voices that could come in and teach these people the gospel and could tell them about Jesus Christ and go into places where they were maybe, you know, they're about to go from like the religious leaders of Judaism and they're about to sit down with these, these philosophers and these Stoics and they're having these deep conversations. He needed Luke. He needed a guy that could kind of translate some things a little bit because he was very educated. He needed that and God said, I want your plan to be put on hold for a little bit and then I'm just going to make it bigger. And then we see one other thing. It says immediately. Immediately they go out because they trusted God that much. It was that, okay, we have the answer now, so let's go. And do we have that earnestness in our own lives of, hey, once I see what God's plan is, maybe it's a little bit different than mine. Maybe it's, maybe it's not what I wanted, but, man, I have no doubt this is where God's calling me. This is what he's put in my life. This is the ministry that he's given me. When we see that, do we immediately go, yes, I got this? Or do we kind of pull back and go, well, maybe I need a few more things? Paul didn't need anything more than the Holy Spirit. Once he had that, once he had that God-given direction, he was on his way. And everybody was right there with him. The whole team said, we're in. Let's head to Macedonia. I hear they have euros. Like, it's going to be wonderful. And so they make their way across this sea. And I'll say this. When we exchange our plan for God's plan, lives can be changed. Like, when we take a step back and go, you know what? It's not about my glory. Like, if you're kind of new here, one of the things that we really say, hey, this is a big part of our church, is we say we're for God's glory. Not our own, but for God's glory. And when we take a step back and say, hey, my plan was good, God's plan is bigger, and I'm going to follow in obedience to that, when we exchange our plan for God, God's, lives are changed. In just a little bit, I, I want to show you what some of that looks like. So Paul and his friends immediately go on this mission trip. They make their way to Macedonia. They make their way to the city called Philippi. And they show up and just have an unbelievable weekend, essentially. Because here's a couple things that happened. In Luke 16, in verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate of the riverside, uh, where we supposed there to be a place of prayer. And we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia uh, from the city of... Yeah, a uh, seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And see this, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So he gets there. They immediately start ministering. They immediately start talking with people. They start sharing the gospel. And you've got a woman, her name is Lydia. And so she is by trade, she makes clothing and it's purple. They would take these shellfish and somehow some part of the shellfish was used to dye garments purple. Purple was an expensive, expensive item back in the day because it was so rare. That's why everyone who was royal wore purple. And so she made these garments and it had gained her a lot of fame. People knew who she was. And it says she worshipped God. But then Paul shows up. And he's not just talking about the idea of God. He's not just talking about, hey, do you believe that God is out there? Because being in this culture, in a Greek culture, if you ask someone, hey, do you believe in the gods? They would say, yes. If you ask them, do you know them? They would go, I can't. I'm mortal. They're on Mount Olympus. I'm down here. Like, I believe in them, but I, I can't know them. And Paul begins to preach the gospel, and God 
opened her heart. That's the sovereignty and the power of the gospel. As this woman is sitting there, yeah, she worshiped God, but suddenly she knows him. And it went from her being just someone who did it because it feels good, not just experience, to, hey, God opened up her heart and shared the gospel through Paul, and her life was changed. This is what happens when we adopt God's plan, and we say, hey, I'm willing to change my plan to follow after God, to do his will. You see lives changed. And when we preach the gospel, this is the power of the gospel, that it takes someone who was dead and it makes them alive. Paul would later say, hey, it makes you into a new creation. That's the power when we exchange our plan for God's plan. Lives are changed. And so that's just her. And you go forward a little bit more in verse 16. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And it brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and us, crying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And I love this. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Now Paul goes from just sharing the gospel and he's going to go other places. And you've got a young woman who is demon possessed. And I know this is kind of crazy stuff, but she is possessed by a demon. That demon allows her to tell fortunes, and it makes her owners a lot of money. They basically have enslaved this young woman, and they're using this demon for their own profit and gain. And she begins to follow Paul around. And we know this about demons when we look in Scripture. They recognize Christ. Like, that's why whenever Jesus shows up at one point, a demon goes, Hey, what are you doing here? Like, you're here to torment us before the time? And so we know that they recognize the power of the gospel. And this girl is following them around, and in some ways, she's preaching the gospel. She's telling them, these guys are servants of the Most High God. But we, know, we, we feel like she's probably doing it in a pretty sarcastic manner, almost like some comedy troupe, just following her around. She may have a drum or flute, a tambourine, who knows, and she's making a mockery of it. And I love Paul because Paul could get annoyed, and I appreciate that because I feel that way sometimes. And after a while, he's like, enough. And he just says, okay, I'm casting this demon out. And within that hour, it's gone. And so all these people in a very pagan culture who knew who this young woman was, they got to see the full power of the gospel on display. Because suddenly this girl's not telling fortunes anymore. She's talking. And I have to imagine she's talking in a much more coherent way. And you get to see the full power of the gospel on display. Why? Because Paul was obedient to God's bigger plan. And what happens from that is that owner gets a little upset. See, the gospel shows up, and there's, there's freedom. And the owners get a little mad, and they go to a magistrate. They have Paul arrested. So again, Paul and his friends, they just showed up. But he's now preached the gospel, and now he's in jail. And then this happens. And it's a little bit longer, but I, I want you to be able to see it. In verse 25, Paul's been put in prison. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were with him in his house. And he took them the same hour at night and washed their wounds and was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them out uh, and set, before them food, or set food before them, and he rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. Man, what a trip. <laughs> he shows up. He's had probably months of wanting to preach the gospel and not being able to do it. He sails across the sea, shows up, and man, people's lives immediately are being changed. Like, he's, he's able to meet Lydia, and he's able to preach the gospel in these places, and then he watches oppression be pushed off by the gospel, and this, this poor girl is freed from a demon. He gets arrested. I mean, this is, this is like a movie, like a two-hour movie of how many things can you cram into it. And so he's sitting in jail, and I don't want us to miss this. Like, if I get arrested, I'm looking at that as probably not my best day. <laughs> Never been there, don't want to be. I think there'd be a lot of self-reflection maybe, and yet Paul and Silas are sitting in a cell, and it won't be the last time Paul sits in one, and they sing. They're literally in the middle of the night singing hymns, and everyone around them is just listening. Now, everyone else, remember the setting for this little story. It's a prison cell. Everybody else wasn't there for preaching the gospel. We know that. Like, they had done things, and some of them were probably pretty heinous back in that time. And they're just listening to these two guys. Like, they're not yelling. They're not trying to break out. How in the world are you singing and praying aloud? And everyone's listening to this. And then in this miraculous moment, God sends an earthquake, knocks open all the doors, everybody's chains fall off. The jailer knows if my boss comes back and these prisoners aren't here, I'm dead, so I'm going to take care of it myself. Paul goes, hey, no, don't do that. We're all here. That man saw something very different in who Paul was. In 2020, when it feels like at times we have been in prison, <laughs> maybe if you have been in home that long, maybe it is. <laughs> like, are we frustrated with everything or are we worshiping? Because <laughs> that's what Paul was doing. Paul looks out and goes, yeah, this is not the most ideal situation, but you know what? God is still in control, and God is still good, and I'm watching him do good things, and I know the things he's done in my life, and I've seen the things he's already done in the last 48 hours, and it's worthy of praise. And so he sings, and he prays, and that jailer had heard all of that and falls down at his feet and says, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to have that? What is it about you that makes you the way you are? And Paul just shares the gospel. Hey, it's, it's all about Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's pretty straightforward. So as we sit here today, we could have a different prison experience, right? We can be mad about things. We can be frustrated or we can recognize that God is doing some really big things in the midst of a crazy pandemic time. The gospel's going out all over the world. Things like this today, like we know that people are watching literally across the entire planet. God's using it. But why? Because God has a bigger plan. So what's God's big plan for your life? 
Like when you leave here today, like what do you do with that? Like do you shrink away from it or do you go, okay, I really need to seek the Lord out and say, what is it that I need to be doing? Like what is bigger than my own little hopes and dreams? I, I'm, I'm thinking of a town and God's saying, no, I have a continent. And he's saying that for all of us today. Yeah, your plans have changed this year. We're all in the same boat. But are we looking to figure out our new plan or are we looking to see what God's plan for our life is? And when we see that, are we going to follow obediently? Let's pray. God, we love you. God, one of the greatest callings that you've put into all of our lives, if we are in Christ, one of the big plans is sharing the gospel. God, we see the fruit of that. We, we read about it in Scripture, and God, many of us know what that looks like to be able to sit down with someone and share the gospel and watch what you do to open people's hearts. And so this morning, God, if there's anyone in this room, God, or if there's anybody watching online, and they don't know what it looks like to follow you, they don't know what it looks like to have a relationship with you, God, that they would know that you are good. You created everything, but God, we also know that we are sinful people. And that sin separates us from you. And the only way back to you is through Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you go, I don't, I've never really experienced the gospel. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm the jailer going, what do I have to do to be saved? It's believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And so if that's you today and you're ready to take that step, maybe just where you're at, just quietly say, God, as best as I know how, I want to follow you. I want to turn away from my life, and I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And in that instant, God, your grace is poured out. And so if that's you, I'd encourage you, put that on a Connect card. Talk to one of our pastors we want to celebrate that. And if you're sitting here today and you go, hey, I had some big plans that changed this year. Know that God can change that and do something even bigger. And I pray that we would live that out this week, Christ. We ask all of it in your name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship now in time of giving. Um, you guys know, like, we're not passing baskets or anything like that, um, but there are boxes next to each of the doors. Um, if you've got a Connect card, if you filled out, like, one of the paper ones, you can drop that in one of those boxes. Um, also, we've got several different ways of giving online, um, which are super convenient. Um, we've got our text giving. Uh, it takes just a few minutes to set up, and once you set it up, that is the easiest way to give. Also, if you go to wearesouthpoint.com, there's online giving there. Um, and if you're kind of new with us, each week we just pray for a local church. We think that's important. We think unity is important within our community. And so this week we're going to be praying for Trinity Baptist Church. Um, Pastor Kevin Kennedy there, I've met him a couple of times. And uh, just going to lift them up today that they are able to worship in spirit and truth this morning. And uh, that they're just able to cry out to God as well. So let's pray and we'll continue to worship. God, we love you. God, thank you for the way that you have blessed us. In so many ways, God, if we're here this morning with health, the way that you provided for us financially, and God, I pray that you will use these gifts, use these offerings to further your kingdom. God, to support missionaries abroad, to allow us to do outreach here in our community, to love our neighbors well. And God, we lift up Trinity Baptist this morning and just pray that right now as they're in a time of worship, God, that the Spirit's moving there. 
and that he would do big, big things. God, we love you. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.